Fake Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. Not the who? The hives are on first. <laughs> oh, man. Classic jokes. We keep starting the podcast with the who's on first joke. I think it's the second episode we've done that. I like who's that on, meme where... Who's it's... on second? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, who's on first? Oh. The hives. I also just had an out-of-body experience because I never thought I would say the phrase, I like that meme. But there is a bit of a meme around Ben Shapiro, I think it is, Uh. where they're like, oh, conservatives only have one joke about, I want to say it's like transgender rights or something. And then Ben Shapiro, like, spitefully responds as if he's actually arguing in good faith, but says something like he identifies as an attack helicopter or something, but he basically is just responding with the same joke again. So I feel like that's what we have in common with Ben Shapiro is that we just have one joke. It's just that instead of ours being transphobic, it's who's on first. Mm Mm-hmm. And our our numbers of listeners are about the same, right? He's actually in a decline. We're trending upward. So we might have passed the threshold. I'd I'd have to see. You know, when you you get to this many listeners, you don't watch it that closely anymore. (laughs) Yeah. When when the first one happened, you know, you're just like, oh, this is exciting. But you get to like, one plus your mom here and there, you know, you just uh, lose track. Yeah, start to walk around, you know, shoulders back, like your hot stuff, rock star, podcast star. What do you call, what are we, pod stars? Cast stars? Pods among men. <laughs> We're not reality stars. Who knows? I can think of a star, though, a star that shined and shines still in a lot of ways and created a movement. I'm wearing a shirt with his face on it right now and the one and only Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Remind me who that is. Uh, Doctor. Delivered babies. Oh, Dr. Paul. Nope. Uh, did uh, did the baby thing? Uh, a lot of charity. He delivered babies for no pay, uh, and not like charity. Like government paid him to do this. He didn't accept money from people. Uh. A lot of people. He accepted money from some people, but he tended 
he did a lot of uh a lot of deliveries for under I don't want to say underprivileged, I don't like that wording, but like low income families to help them out. So uh go Dr. Paul. And I imagine he talked a little bit about ending the Fed to the little babies when they came out. Because all of a sudden, in the early 2000s, yeah, early 2000s, he uh, had quite the following. Uh, You might remember a little moment with him and Rudy Giuliani from New York where he mentioned blowback and then Mr. Rude decided to tell him he needed to apologize for implying that the fact that we were blowing up their children, they might've been mad about it and decided to kill some of our civilians Mind you, he wasn't saying that it was the civilians who died's fault. He was saying, hey, government, you're putting innocent people at risk. And he did not apologize. In fact, he doubled down. He continued to fight while he was in office against the Fed all the while warning us of this inflationary spending and the fact that one day our productivity will not match or close to match the amount of money being printed and we will not go from a flat line like we have been but to a decline in um the overall quality of life of humanity, at least here in America, most likely around the world. And uh, he's been saying it every day, at least five times a week on his little on his podcast, 15 minutes every day, warning us, don't lock people in their homes. This virus isn't what they're saying it is. It does not look like the treatment that they're given would work on a respiratory virus of this kind. I'm not sure why they're treating it this way. This seems dangerous to me. Blah, blah, blah. And it evolved from there. I would just like to say, looking back on all of that, Ron... You deserve it. Say, I told you so. To everybody. Everybody who questioned what you were saying. Look them in the eyes and say, I told you so. You asked for this. I told you it was coming. You didn't want to hear it. Because it didn't benefit you at that moment. 
I would say he stands in stark contrast to all the other soothsayers out there. Because at the bottom of the pile, you have the lucky people, the people who spray and pray predictions. And at some point, one of them lands. Then you have the people who can read what's coming and in the short term can generally just read people and understand what's happening next. And then you have the folks who are a bit better in the long term and understand how masses of people move and can generally be vague enough to be right. But I'm impressed that he covers all of that because not only is he as prolific as some of the spray and pray folks, but in both the short and long term, he's continually proven to be right. Yeah, he he has. And all the while not wanting to be. All the while trying to trying his best to get us to turn away from these things and stop them from happening. Yeah, they're usually not a prediction. They're usually a warning. It usually is him saying, do not do this because if you do, this will happen. And then, of course, the state proceeds to do whatever he just warned against. And he continues to try to help us over and over and over again. He talks to the American people. He tells them what's going to happen, what the state's doing, what we can do to fix it. What uh, He tries. He tries everything. And some of us listen. Some of us care. He's very optimistic about our future. He believes that Liberty will win. I just, I want people to step back and think about what this man has been, not only been right about, but what he's done for us, to help us. Whether you agree with everything, every move he's made, I certainly don't. I I'm an anarchist. He's a minarchist. Like we've, we do, we, at some point, we become enemies. But man, if that guy could get us there to where I'm an enemy of Ron Paul, I mean, that's a beautiful world. Which, if applied to the present day, is another optimistic way of looking at society and culture today, right? The fact that there are people who have a lot in common with us. There's a lot of overlap, but we are now in a slightly privileged position to be debating them on how things should be. Yeah, I think think you're right about that. Uh, We have technology... We have forcefully taken freedom of speech. 
I don't necessarily like the word privilege because I think that the people of the world have worked for this and more and the governments of the world have squandered so much of the wealth that I can't imagine where we'd be without them doing that. I, I would say we are in a place to debate these things despite the governments of the world leeching off of us, holding us back at every turn, trying to take every ounce of will and drive out of us. They try to take. Um, we have gotten to where we are today. But, you know, that's just two different ways of saying the same thing, I guess. Privilege. Privilege is one of those words that has been forever changed in my mind. Privilege is like racist is today. You know, if the depending on who's calling somebody racist is like whether I want to chill with that person or not, you know? If if your mainstream news is calling somebody racist, then I'm I'm gonna go check that dude out or check out because I bet they're speaking some truth or whatever, you know? And then privilege is like, you know, yeah, my, oh, privilege is just given to somebody. Whereas just negating somebody's entire life, like even with, uh, you know, inheritance, people inheriting their entire wealth, they didn't earn that, you know, all that. All right, well, you inherit something from somebody who dies. This person worked their entire life to give, to be able to give this to whoever. See, the, their entire life, you're saying, is, is what? This is what they worked to do. They died with the knowledge that they had done all these things to get this wealth to give it to this person I'm not sitting here saying that there's not wealth being generated by people who are just leeches but those people are doing that through power of government, whether it's a company that is regulated into being the only company who can do this, do that, whatever. I mean, look at our oil industry today, right? Uh, our president just has to say, oh, uh, the we're going to put them out of business during, uh, you know, when he's campaigning and whatnot. And it completely tanks the oil oil industry. In the United States. Why? Not because of legislation. Because he said it. Why does it do that? Because nobody wants to invest in oil. 
that's not already invested in oil, somebody new coming up, when they think the market's going to tank. If the market's taken, they know all the big dogs are going to take up everything and buy out, you know, and they're, they're going to have no chance. So you've just driven out competition, right? So now you've created a monopoly for the big oil by saying, oh, I'm going to drive them out of business during your campaign, Mr. President. You just did exactly what the big oil wants you to do. Drive out their competition. And they can name their price. Once once there's no competition, prices can go up. Especially if they're not drilling as much. I know some of these like Saudi countries are really happy price of oil has the barrel has changed from what it was just a little while ago when they were starving to death and having to put taxes on their own people and whatnot to live like they want to introduced they introduced taxes for the first time on their people when oil was low i'm not entirely sure how we got here from the word privilege being a trigger word, but I will say it's fairly obvious to me and it should be to most that that whole we're going to put big oil out of business is theater and they absolutely know the effect that it will have and they will buy into that at a discount. Yeah. So that they own part of the monopoly as it rises. Right. Oh yeah, they're donating to that campaign for sure. Excuse we me. saw the we saw it with the airlines and all these other things during the lockdowns where mm-hmm. they were lobbying to have tighter and tighter restrictions so that they could buy back their own stocks. Exactly. You look at uh, methane. That's a very new technology. Methane collection and power uh, generation from cattle farmers. Uh, not that long ago, I was watching, you know, let's just call it Dirty Jobs. I don't think it was, but like one of those shows, right? It was just showing all these different farmers that were doing it different ways, but like, they found that they can collect the the poop from their cows and run it through, you know, collection system and run a generator, create power for their farm. That way, they don't have to pay so much power for all their shit that they're running, right? And great word choice, <laughs> right? And then eventually. Regulations started happening, right? Now, there's one system that's approved by, you know, the energy, you know, management associate or whatever. So now you have to, when you do this, you have to do it their way by their approved shit. 
so whoever that person was lobbied for a government to do this, right? So now not only do you have to collect it the right way, in that system there's a a a meter so you can be taxed on the methane that you collect from your cows and run your generators in the United States. This is really funny because it ties back to something you and I were talking about before we were on the air about the lesser of two evils and talking about there might not be a good answer without the state, but there's a guaranteed worse answer with the state. And I think this is highlighting something that a lot of people like to straw man with the state being monopolies. People talk about how the government can ensure that monopolies don't get too big. They can break things up. They can empower you know, the little guy, the small business. But we keep seeing it time and time again, whether it be with the oil company, like you were saying before, or with this, the methane collection, instead of just having a market-driven, innovation-rich monopoly, we now have a state-sanctioned monopoly. And if I have to choose between the two, I think it's pretty clear where I go. Because the false choice, like I say, is that straw man of, oh, well, without the state, we'd have all these monopolies. Which is absolutely ridiculous to think about because you sit here and say, as a person, you sit here and say, oh, without the state, we'd have all these monopolies, plural. But we, what we have with the state is a monopoly. Well, to be fair, you know what I mean industry-wise, like in a different vertical. I, I understand, but like what I'm saying is like all these monopolies are subject to market forces, right? They cannot be a monopoly tomorrow easily. Boom. Markets change, right? But what we have now is like a a monopoly, a real monopoly, a a I have guns and I will kill you if you disobey my laws. I mono my monopoly is I tell you which businesses make it and fail. Get a license or whatever. Donate to my campaign. The government is a monopoly on violence. Any company that wants to move to the next level has to pay that mob to use violence to keep their competition out of the way. It's a very big version of a city street in New York back in the 20s. Difference is the mafia had integrity. Yeah, you're right. There, there was a little difference there. It was 
there was something to be said for neighborhood back then. Uh, uh, but I, to be fair, also, I think government on a street-to-street basis would probably be quite a bit more fair in its judgment. Ooh, hot take. <laughs> Just think if you got that same government down all the way to you. I bet it'd be even more fair. See, that's another meme that I saw. <laughs> it, it was it now. Was it my face? Let's just remember when DVDs went out of uh, out of what? Just technology surpassed DVDs, right? The porn industry took a hit, right? A bad hit. Those who did not innovate died. And that happened right around the same time the housing crisis happened. And I did not see anybody bailing out Ron Jeremy. Or any of the, uh, I don't want to use the word smaller, but lesser known performers because yeah, he, he would be the equivalent to the big bank right he would be the one percenter well I was playing on the porn industry and the fact that he's like serving a life sentence in prison like bail out bail out but yes I mean that was what I was getting at like the hard the hardware-based companies that sold DVDs, the ones that weren't willing to innovate and go internet and figure out a way to make money by online porn, they died. Which gave a whole new opportunity to lesser-known porn companies to, you know squirt their influence around them <laughs> I do agree and I do like thinking about that innovation but I'm now stuck <laughs> on the DVD companies because you know this year 2022 <laughs> yeah Porn DVDs have sold. I'm sure they have. Where do you, where do you buy a porn DVD today, though? Bodega. Oh, okay. <laughs> you answered that pretty quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. My corner <laughs> store has everything. Because <laughs> I went into one of those uh, smoke shop slash novelty stores yeah i went in there and i was like oh that vape looks strangely like a dick but actually same thing right same (laughs) same line of innovation the folks who are not catching on to the vape thing yeah glass pipes won't do it anymore oh yeah 
You definitely got to go vape juice. Well, I think the flavored vape juice is now illegal, it's regulated and shit like that. So it can't be fruity, is that right? It's yeah, like something like that. Joe you Camel. Have, you can't have any. <laughs> you can't have a cool cartoon character. Oh, speaking of which, side note: if you live in Georgia, Wow Motorcycles has a 1996 Joe Camel edition CBR6 for sale right now. It's behind the velvet rope. It's beautiful, cherry looking. How much? I don't know. I wouldn't pay it. I'm sure. Joke. That I mean that was my bike. I've always wanted one of those, but not that bad. If it's behind the bel- velvet rope, I'm not even looking at the price. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you it have to like, ask, it looked like there was a signature on the back of it too. So it's probably one of the racers, you know, something like that. Or Joe Cool himself signed it because he's a real cartoon person wait joe cool or joe camel joe cool was his name right i thought joe cool was snoopy Uh, i'm pretty sure joe cool was the name of the camel 